If you're a believer in Jesus, you should be hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Trent Griffith says there's a special message just for you. Here it is. Fulfill the Great Commission. Get busy getting the gospel right and getting the gospel out and do it all without sinning. Everything the Holy Spirit is going to tell you is going to come through that message. Do the work of the Great Commission without sinning. At times, you start sinning, the Holy Spirit's gonna start speaking. Like, don't do that. You're blowing the mission. If you start sitting around and enjoying your little comfort zone, the Holy Spirit's gonna say, get up and get going. That is the message, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit through a Spirit-filled believer. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Have you noticed that Christmas is coming fast? It's the time of year when we celebrate the coming of our Savior into a very broken and messed up world. A lot of the details of Jesus' birth are super familiar to us. We sing songs about the baby in the manger and shepherds and angels and even wise men. But if you look more carefully in the opening chapters of Matthew and Luke, you'll see that one of the main characters in the Christmas story is the Holy Spirit. He told the prophets what to prophesy about the coming Messiah hundreds of years before it happened. The Holy Spirit caused Mary to conceive in a unique and miraculous way. And the Holy Spirit filled people like Elizabeth, Zechariah, Simeon, and Anna. He gave them songs of praise and words of prophecy. So the Holy Spirit played a key role in the first Christmas, and it's our prayer that He'll play a key role in your Christmas this year. Well, here on Resonate, Pastor Trent is in a series about the Holy Spirit. It's a series titled Help. Let's listen together. Here's Trent Griffith. Get your Bible open to the book of Acts. I will meet you there in just a moment. My desire for this series is that we would be a spirit-led, spirit-driven church. It is not enough just to open our Bibles, read our Bibles, and teach our Bibles. We need to have an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit whereby we actually hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It is the normal, everyday occurrence of a Spirit-filled Christian to be led by the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say the voice of the Holy Spirit, let me clarify what I'm saying. It does not mean necessarily that every day you're going to hear an audible sound in your ear. But it doesn't mean that you might not hear that. I was helped by Sam Storms this week as I was reading his book. And uh, he said, sometimes I hear the internal audible voice of the Holy Spirit. Does it help you? It's like, yeah, I really can't explain what that means. I don't even know if it's words or concepts or thoughts or leanings or desires, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so we're going to see that here in the book of Acts, especially this morning. Let's just begin with this point. The Holy Spirit speaks. Now, we've been saying that all along. We began this whole series with the teaching of Jesus that he gave to his disciples. He was going away and he says, fellas, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm sending a helper. And John 14, John 16, he tells us what the Holy Spirit's ministry would be. He is teaching me. 
He is reminding me of the words of Jesus. He is guiding me into all truth. That's exactly what he's doing in the life of every spirit-filled Christian. And so he's doing this because that's what, the Holy, that's what Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do. The New Testament describes what the normal everyday experience of the spirit-filled believer is with the Holy Spirit. It says in Galatians chapter 5 that we are to walk by the Spirit. At the end of that chapter, it says we're to stay in step with the Spirit. The implication is there's relationship happening. There's conversation happening as you walk with Him. You are to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Some of us aren't hearing the Holy Spirit because our minds are set on so many other things. It's a command. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Notice, the rational part of you is to be leaning into the spiritual part of you and the Holy Spirit where He dwells inside of you. We are to be led by the Spirit, Romans chapter 8. All who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, he says. And we are to listen to the voice of the Spirit. You say, well, I know that was probably part of the apostles' age and all that stuff that happened in Acts, but you just can't really expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you now in our day. I mean, that kind of faded away, right? Do you notice where that verse is located? The last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, speaking to the churches. Do you know what he says? He says, let him who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so the Spirit is speaking. Now, I realize this is controversial. A lot of people abuse this and more damage has been caused in the church after the phrase, God told me, than any other phrase. And yet, there's a lot of damage done by people that discount and don't listen to the Holy Spirit and reduce their Christian experience just to simply reading concepts about the Holy Spirit. Now, with all of those things said, let me tell you something about my wife, Andrea. If you ask Andrea, why did you marry Trent? She will look you in the eye and she said, God told me to. Now, early in our marriage, this really used to offend me. Because I was under the assumption that she married me because of my good looks and my charm and my irresistible romance that broke down her defenses and drew her heart to me in a lifelong covenant love relationship. That's not why she married me. And the older I get, the more grateful I am. As the good look fades and I become more selfish and now I'm so glad that not only she she married me, but she stays married to me because God told her to marry me. I asked her, like, what, what do you mean when you say that? She said, I didn't hear an audible voice. If you look back at that time where we met and began to develop our relationship, I'm telling you, she was spending hours every day in the presence of Jesus, in the word, in prayer, journaling, and through all of that disciplined process, do you know what happens? The Holy Spirit speaks. It's remarkable how that happens. And so I'm so glad that God still speaks. And she didn't marry Butch. So um, there's, there's all kinds of different ways the Lord leads us. So we're going to dive into the book of Acts here. Now let me just kind of warn you up front. We're going to skip a rock across the top of Acts here. And I'm going to preach the entire book of Acts here in the next 
30 minutes or so. And uh, we're going to start here in chapter one. Now, just diving into this, I want you to look, first of all, before you look at, at any verses, just look at the title. In your Bible, in your printed Bible, what title did they print for the book of Acts? On the count of three, tell me what it is. One, two, three. The Acts of the Apostles. Can I just tell you, first of all, that's not inspired. Some man just wrote that in there so that when the preacher said, open to the book of Acts, you could find it. But really, if we were to relabel it, here's a better title for the book of Acts. The activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of the apostles. That's a better title. This book is not about apostles. It is about the Holy Spirit. Interestingly, this book is written by a scientist, a medical doctor. His name was Luke. And this very scientific, rationally oriented guy writes all kinds of mystical stuff that happened as the activity of the Holy Spirit as he spoke in and through the book of Acts. And we need to ask the question as we read Acts, is Acts descriptive of the activity of the Holy Spirit or is it prescriptive of the activity of the Holy Spirit? You know what I mean? I mean, is this just some history book? This is the way the Holy Spirit worked in the first century? Or is this something we could expect the Holy Spirit to be doing in our century? So is it prescriptive or descriptive? The answer is yes. I think that there are some things in the book of Acts that are one time in history events that will never be repeated again. And yet this is giving us a pattern of how the Holy Spirit works in our life. You know, when you're seeking direction from the Holy Spirit, it, we need a proper understanding. Back in the era that I grew up in, in the 70s, when you're a little kid in the 70s, we didn't have all this technology where you could get your questions answered by Siri or Google or Alexa. I mean, you've got all these advantages. What we had, we had this very primitive piece of technology called the magic eight ball. Okay, how many of you had a magic eight ball, right? I mean, you could go to this thing with the deepest questions in your heart. You know, is Susie, does Susie like me? And it would pop up. All signs point to yes. And you could shake it and you could say, are the Cubs going to win the World Series? And it would pop up. Not likely. <laughs> and then you could shake it and you could say, is it Yanny or Laurel? And it would pop up and it's like, I don't know. So, I mean, we do not need to treat the Holy Spirit like a magic eight ball. The Holy Spirit is probably not going to give you intimate, detailed plans about what you should have for lunch today, okay? Um, the big questions to us are little questions to him. Um, who am I gonna marry? Where am I gonna go to school? What's my job gonna be? Those are little questions. What the Holy Spirit speaks to us about is about doing the work that Jesus started doing and should continue in each one of us. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, if you've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, if you are expressing fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit telling you, to be on the mission of the Holy Spirit. It's what we're going to see here in the book of Acts. Let me show it to you here in uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Now, before we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're going to hear the voice of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Jesus says this. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody underline the word wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Now the promise was going to be this Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised it back in John chapter 14, John chapter 16. Now he's saying, you're going to get this promise. Verse 5. He says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth. Let me tell you the context in which Jesus is saying this. This is 40 days after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus has appeared to 500 people. Now he's gathered his disciples on a mountainside and he's about to say, see ya. This is the point at which they're gonna need some help. And he's like, guys, I'm leaving, but I want you to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. This is 40 days after the resurrection. So they go into wait mode. Now this is hard for the disciples. He's already given them the great commission, which is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and teaching them to obey everything I've said. He wants them to make disciples. So these guys are raring at the gate like a racehorse ready to go. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. The gate's not open yet. There's one more thing you need. He says, wait, you need power. And then Jesus leaves. Day one, day two, day three, they're still waiting four, five, six, they're still waiting. A week, they're waiting. Day eight, day nine, day 10. Look at chapter two, verse one. 10 days after Jesus had said, wait. 50 days after his resurrection, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Do you see the word Pentecost there? Very significant word. The word Pentecost means 50th. 50th what? 50th day after Passover. Jesus was crucified at Passover. So they have waited 50 days. It's now Pentecost. The word Pentecost is another word for a Jewish festival that was celebrated annually around the time of the harvest. In the Old Testament, this was called the Feast of Weeks. How many weeks? Seven weeks. Now, I know it's hard to do math on Sunday. But if you've got seven weeks and each week has seven days, how many days do you have? 49. And the day after is Pentecost. 50 days after the Passover, which resulted in 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, he told them to wait. And on the day of Pentecost, something significant happened. And so on this first Pentecost, the first feast after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, if you are from Oklahoma, you know exactly what they are talking about. All right. Now, this is a tornado. 
and there was this sound. It sounded like a freight train. And here it comes, something significant to get their attention. And it says it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse three, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Tongues of fire. You actually have two word pictures there that are trying to communicate something. All right, first of all, I mean, everybody knows what a tongue is. It kind of flops around, flatters around. All right, so a picture, it's kind of a humorous thing. Picture a tongue on top of your head, not coming out of your mouth, but on top of your head. It's flapping around there, but it's fire. It's just a word picture, just like a campfire. You know how fire kind of licks? The fire licks. So get it, tongue, lick, get it. So that's, that's what's going on on top of these. The, the fire is licking on top of their heads. Now, as, as humorous as that is for us, <laughs> that got their attention. Notice the fire was on each one of them. 120 of them gathered in a room. That was the membership of the early church. And each one of them had fire licking off the top of their head. In the Old Testament, when you saw fire from heaven, that was a scary thing because the fire represented God's purity, his holiness. The fire consumed, it burned up things that were impure. There was a point at which the fire burned up 3,000 people because they were wicked and idolatrous and rebellious to the Lord. And so the fire in the Old Testament was Fatal. But here we have fire for the first time resting on each individual Christian. Not in one place in the temple where you kind of had to go and see it, but each individual Christian now had this fire not taking life, but giving life. And the reason that the fire could give life is because 50 days earlier, the fire of God had taken the life of Jesus. The holiness of God consumed the sin of every believer through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And because the fire of God's fury fell on Jesus, the fire of God's rest could fall on each individual. It was now a fire that, that was the light of the world. It was the fire that created warmth and presence. It created an energy and a life-giving spirit. That's what was happening there in verse three. And then verse four says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why did they start speaking in other languages? Because of verse five. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. What was happening? It was very simple. This was the first proclamation of the good news of Jesus. Death, burial, and resurrection that was being preached for the first time to all nations. Do you get it? The first time the gospel was preached, it was preached to every nation. Jesus told them in Acts 1.8, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. 
And yet what he did at the beginning was brought people from the ends of the earth to Jerusalem to get the whole process started. As we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking, do you understand what the Spirit is speaking? If you are not a believer, if you've not yet trusted Christ, there is one thing the Holy Spirit wants you to hear today. Here it is. Are you listening? Repent and believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. That's the only thing you need to hear. That's what these unbelievers were hearing for the first time from these that were filled with God's spirit. Now, if you are a believer and you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, there is one thing the voice of the spirit is trying to communicate to you this morning. Here it is. Fulfill the great commission. Get busy getting the gospel right and getting the gospel out and do it all without sinning. Everything the Holy Spirit is going to tell you is going to come through that message. Do the work of the Great Commission without sinning. At times, you start sinning, the Holy Spirit's going to start speaking. Like, don't do that. You're blowing the mission. If you start sitting around and enjoying your little comfort zone, the Holy Spirit's going to say, get up and get going. That is the message. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit through a Spirit-filled believer. The, the story continues in verse, look at verse seven. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these speaking Galileans? And yet each of us is hearing in his own language. He lists all the places that they've come from. I'm mean, looking at the Medes and the Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia. And he keeps going. Look down at verse 11. Both Jews and proselytes, in other words, Jews and non-Jews, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues and the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God is what you've already heard this morning. That Jesus died on that cross in your place as a substitute for sin. He absorbed the fire and the fury of God so that you wouldn't have to. That's the mighty works of God. And then in verse 12, it says they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? Can I tell you that since they've asked that question, nobody's really been able to answer it. What does all this mean? Do you see the two words in that verse? Amazed and perplexed. I am so glad those two words are there. It frees me as a preacher from having to clear up all the perplexity that there is about the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Perplexity is not the enemy of amazement. There should exist in the life of every spirit-filled believer both amazement and perplexity. We know that he speaks. We're just not quite sure how we know these things. The Bible's real clear that he speaks, but it doesn't give us a lot of detail on how it happens. So how does the Holy Spirit speak? And again, we're going to try to answer this with amazement and perplexity. We've already seen part of it here. Now, listen, the only way I know how to answer a question like that is to go to the Bible. I'm a Bible guy. So you ask me a question about the Bible. I just kind of have to look through the pages of the Bible and find some stuff. Oh, look, here's verse 17. And look at what this says. So how does the Holy Spirit speak? Well, first of all, he speaks with signs prophecy, visions, 
and dreams. I know some of you are like, it's about to get weird in here. I, I get it. I get it. All right, just hang on, hang on. Let's just look at the Bible. We're Bible people. Look at verse 17. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That was a big deal. Before, he just he poured his spirit out on special people, prophets. They, they wrote books and they had books written about them in the Old Testament. Now he's saying everything that those prophets experienced, every believer is going to experience on all flesh. Now, by the way, do you, in your Bible, is verses 17 down through verse 21, are those like indented in your Bible? Yeah, you know why they do that? Because these are words that were actually taken from the Old Testament. This is actually the book of Joel. Peter is now preaching a message. Remember, he's preaching and everybody's hearing it in their own language. You're hearing it in English. Isn't that cool how that happens? And that's because somebody translated it. But uh, in, in everybody was standing around listening to this message and everybody heard it in their language. Peter was an expository preacher. He took a passage of Scripture. He went verse by verse through the text. He explained it. He illustrated it. And he applied it. And that's what he's doing. He's like, here it is. What's happening to us is what was written about in the book of Joel. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Think about your son or your daughter. Impressive. I mean, in some ways, yeah, but prophecy? I mean, really? Ten-year-old kid, like prophesy? What does that mean? Remember what we learned about prophecy last week? We used that definition, Sam Storm's... Wayne Grudem have used is it's great. It's speaking forth in merely human words something God has spontaneously brought to mind. If the Holy Spirit dwells in your son or daughter, they should hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and at times speak what they have heard. It's not reserved for special people anymore. Your less than impressive kid can do it, apparently, according to these verses. Not only that, but so can your grandpa. Look at the next thing. It says, your, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So look at what we have. We have prophecy, visions, and dreams. Prophecy, I hear something prompted of God and I speak it. Visions, I see something while I'm awake. Dreams. I see something while I'm asleep. How does the Holy Spirit speak? Well, He spoke through prophecy, visions, and dreams. Does that, I, I've never had like a revelatory vision. I don't know that I've had really impressive dreams before. But that's not to say that He couldn't speak. And some of you at some point may have heard God speak through prophecy, visions, and dreams, just like he did in the first century church. Well, I don't know about you, but I know I want to grow in my ability to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've been listening to a message from Pastor Trent Griffith of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, and we'll hear the conclusion of this message next week on Resonate. And speaking of Harvest Bible Chapel, that's my church. So where do you go to church? Are you looking for a church home? Do you want to visit Harvest and Granger? If so, let me tell you how to do it. First, go online to harvestgranger.org and click on Worship With Us. There's helpful information there about what time our services are, where to bring your children, and where our church is located, things like that. Again, that web address is harvestgranger.org. 
And if you're into social media, you can follow us on Facebook right now by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Well, sometimes we think figuring out God's will for our lives is like a complicated puzzle that we're trying to piece all together. Next week here on Resonate, Pastor Trent explains that's not the way it is at all. I hope you'll join us next week to catch the conclusion of this series, Help. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that you'll listen carefully to the Holy Spirit's voice and that God's Word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, harvestgranger.org.